Zach Money 7, Lindsay Ross, a couple of our new subscribers to the Locked On Blue Jay podcast YouTube page. Thank you for hitting that subscribe button. Thank you for following along, joining me as we go through the 2023 Toronto Blue Jay season together. Now, thankfully, the scuffling Toronto Blue Jays are off today, so don't have to worry about John Schneider moves. Don't have to worry about uh, the wins and losses today, but we will deep dive in today's episode. We will deep dive what we saw from this now concluded horrible road trip, three and six. Oh, my goodness. Plus, it is Throwback Thursday, so a few throwback stories from the 1993 Blue Jays and Phillies World Series. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Certainly, thank you for tuning in and taking some time today to talk Toronto Blue Jay baseball with me. No Blue Jay game today, but just a reminder that, of course, each and every Blue Jay game you can catch on Sirius XM. Let's start out today's show where we've got some great throwback Thursday, 1993 Phillies Blue Jays stories coming up in the second and third segment. But let's open with what we just saw from this three and six road trip that just concluded. Now, overall, everydayers will know we've talked many times that there's quite a gauntlet to the, to the beginning of the season schedule-wise for the Toronto Blue Jays. And on, on Friday's show, we'll deep dive because the, the, the second part of this incredible gauntlet, all before the All-Star break, just an incredibly difficult schedule. Well, the, a, a huge part of that difficult schedule starts on Friday for the Toronto Blue Jays. But the first part of it, of course, was the fact that because of the renovations at Rogers Centre, 25 of the first 37 games were played on the road. Now, ultimately, Blue Jays do go 12 and 13 in those road games. That's not bad. That's not horrible. 121 of the 37 games. I mean, none of these things are terrible, but there were certainly some, some bumps and bruises along the way, certainly some less than ideal baseball that was played along the way. And the hot, the, the, the height of that was whatever the heck we just saw on this recent road trip. Sure, the sweep at Pittsburgh was great. Who doesn't love a sweep at Pittsburgh? Second season in a row that happened. Well, I mean, what's not to love there? Sure. But the Philadelphia series, good Lord. And then whatever the heck that was we saw in Boston last week, good Lord again. Let's take a look at, at what we saw individually here. So Slim Daddy Vladdy, 9 for 28 on the road trip. It's a 321 batting average. He had a pair of home runs. That he, he hadn't been striking out this season. It had been great, but over the last four games of the road trip, he did strike out five times. Ultimately, have to be happy with what we saw from Vlad, simply from the fact that it was worrisome for a couple days there, right? Because he was hurt. So him being back healthy, okay, we're going to take it. George Springer, 28 at-bats on this road trip, four hits. 28 at-bats, Four hits. George Springer struggling mightily. Is it the illness? I I, I don't. It, some of it's the bad luck, right? Because he's hitting some of these balls hard just right at people. I get it. But ultimately, this is a production-based business. George Springer, four for 28. Oh, boy, that is ugly. Bo Bichette, 14 for 38. Had a lot of walks in there as well. Had a really good on-base percentage. Bo had himself a, a, a good, good road trip. Nine-game road trip, 14 hits. Yes, please, and thank you. Well done, Bo. Matt Chapman. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Since being named Player of the Month in April, Matt Chapman has gone 7 for 34 with as many home runs as you or I have hit in the month of May, which is, of course, to say zero. Matt Chapman struggling. Now, sort of similar to Springer in that he's hit some balls hard right at people. True, right? Granted, it's worth mentioning that. But again, I just have to say at the end of the day, it's a production-based business, a production-based sport, and Chapman is not – he did not have a good road trip. Dalton Varsho, how about a great road trip for Dalton Varsho? 12 for 35 overall, 
virtually has 15 RBIs this season. How is that possible? He's been hitting in the in the four or the five spot, and uh, so I don't get it. But nine of those 15 RBIs came on this road trip. Nine-game road trip, nine RBIs for Dalton Varsho. Yes, please. Just five strikeouts on this road trip. He'd been striking out left, right, and center, so all kinds of good news. That, that home run into the Allegheny River was awesome, or probably the highlight of the road trip for the Blue Jays. Can we take a second here? Do, do we need to talk about the catcher situation? Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen combined six for 44 on this road trip. I'm going to say that again. Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen combined six for 44 on this road trip. They have both been pathetic at the plate. It's a definite cause for concern as, as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned about this. That catcher spot? There was no position on the team last season. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I guess Vlad at first. But uh, outside of Vlad at first, there was no position on the team where when you combine the offense and the defense was as good as the catcher spot for the Toronto Blue Jays last season. It has not been the case in 2023. And on this road trip, it was deplorable. Kevin Kiermeyer. Kiermeyer had a good road trip. Nine for 28. Had a bunch of walks as well. So overall, a 406 on base percentage and a pair of stolen bases on the road trip. Yes, please. Yes, please. Could have had even bigger numbers too. Remember he had that triple where he was called out. The Blue Jays inexplicably didn't challenge that for some insane reason. John Schneider. Okay. But hitting 287 on the season, Kevin Kiermeyer. That's a career high. How about the pitching? Alec Manoa. Blue Jays lost both of his starts. He was terrible in both of his starts. On the road trip, all told, nine and two-thirds inning pitched for the big fella. Eight runs allowed. Now, five, just five of them were earned. Fine, there were some unearned runs in there. That's still a 4.69 ERA. That's not Alec Manoa-like on this road trip. How about on the road trip and the two starts for Alec Manoa? Five walks, four strikeouts. Pardon? Five walks? Four... Alec Manoa had more walks than strikeouts in his two starts on this road trip. You've got to be kidding me. Jose Barrios had one great start and one brutal start. You say Kikuchi had one great start and one brutal start. Kevin Gosman had one great start and one brutal start. Chris Bassett, the hound, he only made one start. It was excellent. Let me just, I just want to go back to Gosman real quick here. So we know he had that seven run explosion in that first inning at Houston. Last week, he had that start at Boston where in the second inning, he gave up five runs. Just ridiculous. Those two innings, absolutely absurd. Meltdown innings, you know, no excuse. But outside of those innings, Outside of those two innings, Gosman's thrown 46 innings this season, six runs. It's a 1.17 ERA outside of those two blow-up innings. And in those 46 innings, just five walks. And in those 46 innings, 64 strikeouts. Holy moly. Outside of those two innings, Kevin Gosman has been Cy Young good. Now, coming up on Throwback Thursday, we'll deep dive one of the most incredible games I've ever seen, the, the Blue Jays-Phillies Game 4 of the of the 1993 World Series. But first, wanted to mention that buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time. Yeah, game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater near you. Killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hype for the fun you're going to have. I've used GameTime a few times. I've used the GameTime.co app a few times uh, already this season. That's It was so easy to use. I was so thankful how easy it was to use. I'm, I'm not good at things like this. So it being so user-friendly was awesome for me. It's how I got the Jansen and Romano bobblehead. I got tickets to that game using the easy-to-use GameTime app. You get flash deals on last-minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy the tickets for any event in your area. You'll get an uh, image of of the seat views and the lowest price guarantee. Now, that lowest price guarantee means you're always going to get the best price on with game time so if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will actually credit you 110 percent of the difference 
can't even lose, can't even lose. It's the fastest growing ticket app in this country for a reason. Now get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy the tickets in a matter of seconds. It's literally two taps and congratulations. Enjoy the enjoy your show. You, you got the tickets. Tickets sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On MLB. That's going to get you twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now let's take a look. Let's deep dive one of the best baseball games I've ever seen. So thankful that it involved the Toronto Blue Jays. So, so, so thankful they ended up coming out on top in this game. And that's game four of the 1993 World Series Blue Jays Phillies. Blue Jays are leading the series two to one. Now, Philadelphia, if they win that game, it's at Philly. Game five is at Philly. Remember, the format was the first two in Toronto, then the middle three in Philly, then the last two, if necessary, in Toronto. Philly had wrestled. Uh, home field advantage really quickly uh, away from from the Blue Jays having one game two in Toronto. Now Blue Jays wrestled that right back right away by taking game three in Philly. So it's two games to one. But if Philly can tie this series at two, they've got their stud, their ace, Kurt Schilling going in game five. Philly's feeling like if they take game three, sorry, big, bigger part, if they take game four, then they've got a chance to take control of this World Series strapped get get strapped in get buckled up my gosh get seated get comfortable i'm gonna have to get comfortable myself here because we're about to do a lot of talking here because there were some epic 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 moments in this baseball game blue jays load the bases top of the first inning right out the gate blue jays threatening bases loaded one out for john olerud now mentioned the other day that johnny o very surprisingly had a downright bad World Series, if you can believe that. He had a bad World Series. I think it was like four for 17 in the entire World Series. He would pop out. So now two down. Hey, Blue Jays, you're not going to squander this opportunity, are you? Well, of course, the veteran Paul Molitor works a walk. So two out bases loaded, walk one, nothing Blue Jays. And then speaking of veterans, rest in peace, right? One of the easiest Blue Jays ever to cheer for. One of the fan favorites of all time, Tony Fernandez, would get a base hit to drive in two of his five RBIs that game. <laughs> wow. Just like that, top of the first inning, 3 nothing Toronto Blue Jays. Go to the bottom of the first inning. That was against Hunter Green, by the way, for the for the um uh for the uh, Phillies. Bottom of the first inning. Here comes Todd Stoudemire for the Toronto Blue Jays. Lead-off walk to Lenny Dykstra. Now he gets the next two outs. Dykstra did steal a base in there. So man on second with two out. Three nothing Blue Jays, right? Let's just get out of this this inning and, and keep the momentum going for the Jays. Well, Stoudemire would walk Dave Hollins. He would walk Darren Dalton. Now the bases are loaded. He would walk Jim Eisenreich. So that forces in a run. Now it's 3-1 Blue Jays. Next batter is Milt Thompson. Bases loaded, all from Stoudemire walks. Milt Thompson would clear the bases with a triple. So 3 nothing with two outs mere minutes ago. Now 4-3 to Philadelphia to end the first inning. Todd Stoudemire... Todd Stoudemire himself as the batter walks to open the, the top of the second inning, but would make the last out at third base. That's that famous highlight clip, if you've seen it before, of Stoudemire doing that. I guess it was a head-first dive, like whatever the heck this slide was he tried to do at third base, going first to third with two out. You know the cardinal rule of baseball, right? You can't make the first or the third out at third base. Just ridiculous as Stoudemire was even trying it. Well, he paid the price, smashed his face right on the – Right on the, the 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 gravel there, cut open his chin, had to have this huge bandage on afterwards. It was so embarrassing and just so ridiculous. So now we go to the bottom of the second. 
Hunter Green, oh, oh, the Phillies pitcher. Now the Phillies pitcher Hunter Green opens with a base hit. How are the pitchers doing so well in this game offensively, but so bad pitching? Okay, then Lenny Dykstra would hit his third of four World Series home runs. Yeah, Lenny Dykstra hit four home runs for the Phillies in that '93 World Series. Led the entire World Series in home runs, just like that. Six three Phillies again. Mere minutes ago, it was three nothing Blue Jays. We were from from a from two out RBIs from Tony Fernandez. We were loving life. Mere minutes later, six three Phillies. So the, those first two innings have already been crazy, right? Well, what's the third inning going to bring? How about a four spot from the Toronto Blue Jays as six three Phillies became seven six Blue Jays in the top of the third inning? Tony Fernandez gets his third RBI of the game, makes it six four. Then Pat Borders with the seeing eye single to drive in Paul Molitor six five. Then with two outs. Devo with a clutch hit to score two, give the Blue Jays that 7-6 lead. Again, all of this, we're just in the top of the third. 7-6 Blue Jays. All of this action has happened. The worst slide you've ever seen in your life. Todd Stoudemire with this big, huge thing on his shit. All this stuff is It's the top of the third inning. It's the top of the third inning. Wow. We'll go to the bottom of the fourth. Two out. Lenny Dykstra and Mariano Duncan put together back-to-back hits that will tie the game. Yeah, Dykstra was really good in this World Series, unfortunately, because you know what a scumbag he is, so that's unfortunate. But credit where credit is due. He was awesome in the 93 World Series for Philly. That ties the game. That was off Al Leiter. So now we go to the through four innings, we're tied seven all. So really, it's like the Philadelphia Eagles on the Toronto Argos tied at seven, right, early on in this game. My goodness. Go to the bottom of the five, tied at, tied at seven. Al Leiter gets absolutely rocked. The first four batters of the inning for Philadelphia, all score. And Lenny Dykstra, Dykstra again, would cap the five-run explosion with his second home run of the game, his fourth of the World Series. Now through five innings, it's 12-7 Philly. How you feeling? Even though the Jays have been scoring offensively, you're down five through five. Oh, boy, it's looking bleak. It's looking bleak. Go to the top of the sixth. Well, the Blue Jays rally for a pair of runs in the top of the sixth to make it 12-9, to but it wasn't all... Rose-colored, uh, you know, it wasn't all champagne and caviar, right? Even scoring two to, to make it 12-9, they still had men at second and third and and left those runners there. So, I mean, that, that didn't feel great. Felt like there was more that the Jays could have done that they left on the table there. Nonetheless, they do score two. It's 12-9. to nine. Go to the bottom of that inning. Uh, Tony Castillo would give up, uh, uh, would walk, uh, would, uh, sorry, Tony Castillo, the Blue Jays reliever, would walk a batter with the bases loaded. So now it's 13-9. to nine. Then very next inning, Darren Dalton uh, would drive in a run. Rest in peace to Darren Dalton. He was the Phillies catcher at that time. So that's in the bottom of the seventh inning. So that's 14 to 9. 12 to 9 became 13 to 9, became 14 to 9 in the eighth inning. 14-9, eighth inning. I, I remember this like it was yesterday. I couldn't watch anymore. I went for a long walk around my complex, around my neighborhood here, listened to Tom Jeek and Jerry Howarth on the radio. Top of the eighth inning. Again, Blue Jays down five now. Roberto Alomar gets out. Joe Carter base hit. John Olerud walk. Paul Molitor reaches on an error. Okay, base is loaded. There's something brewing here. The Phillies would have to call on Wild Thing, Mitch Williams. They bring in their closer to get a five-out save, trying to do anything they can, right? They're, they're in desperation mode, scoring 14 runs. They have to make sure they win this game. And, again, if they can tie this series at two, they've got Kurt Schilling going tomorrow night. They're feeling great about their chances to take control of this World Series. Tony Fernandez, RBI base hit, 14-11. Pat Borders walks. Ed Sprague strikes out looking on three pitches. So now there's two out, and the budding rally looks very iffy right now, right? The, the bases are, are, are loaded, but we're down to two out now. Here comes Ricky Anderson. Ricky Anderson only had five hits that entire World Series, but had a huge at-bat in this. And he had a huge at-bat in game six. We're going to deep dive that, that Joe Carter 
uh, ninth inning home run. That entire ninth inning was incredible. We're going to look at that in a moment here. But in this game four, Ricky Henderson comes up ninth inning, only five hits that entire World Series. This was one of them. He gets a base hit, knocks it into center field, two-run score, 14-13. Still two out, tying run on base, uh, two men on base for the Blue Jays. Mitch Wildthing Williams, the Phillies closer is in. Devon White is the batter. Triple that scores Borders and Henderson. Are you absolutely kidding me? A six-run eighth-inning rally. A lot of that coming with two out. 15 to 14 Toronto Blue Jays. Are you kidding me? My friend was actually at that game. He and his sisters were at that game. They're the only people in the entire stadium you could hear. You could hear a pin drop. They're, they were right behind the Blue Jay um, um, uh, dugout there, and they were going absolutely nuts. Of course they were going absolutely nuts. Like, are you kidding me? It was 14-9 mere minutes ago, a six-run eighth-inning rally, 15-14 Blue Jays. Mike Timlin and Dwayne Ward would combine to strike out the Phillies in order in the bottom of the eighth inning, and in the bottom of the ninth inning, Dwayne Ward gets Mariano Duncan to pop up, strikes out John Crook looking on a full count pitch. Wow. And then Dave Hollins flies out to Devon White. Jays win 15-14 and take an absolute stranglehold on the 1993 World Series as they now led the Series 3-1. And the concern, right, was Kurt Schilling, how good he was going in Game 5. But Kurt Schilling threw a gem. He outdueled Juan Guzman. The Philly won Game 5, 2 nothing. Schilling went the distance for crying out loud in that game. So that Game 5 fear came to fruition. So thank absolute goodness. Thank you, baseball gods, that the Toronto Blue Jays somehow. Remember, they, they led in this game. They gave up the lead, came back to the lead. Gave, like, it was so seesaw back and forth. But six runs in the eighth inning to take the lead. What, what, what a baseball game. Coming right up on Throwback Thursday, we'll deep dive that insane ninth inning in game six of that Blue Jays-Phillies World Series. Yes, the Joe Carter home run inning. Now, our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digitally cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Now, unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, SoRare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. And win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. SoRare MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three- or four-day cycle. At the end of the game week, SoRare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include SoRare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on. To start playing today. And finally, let's close out today by deep diving that entire ninth inning, game six, the touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Joe Carter, walk off home run to clinch the World Series. Epic. We know it's epic. Not just one of the all-time moments in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history, but literally, I mean, this was a home run to walk off and, and clinch a World Series. This, this is one of the bigger moments in baseball history. And I always encourage, you know, we're, we're looking earlier at the 15-14 game. If you have time to watch that game, it's one of the most incredible games I've ever seen in my entire life. I hope I did adjust this when I was recapping it with you last uh, last segment. But if you ever have, you know, say five, ten minutes and, and 
looking to stroll down some Blue Jay memory lane, go back and watch this ninth inning in game six, the, the Joe Carter home run inning. The entire thing from start to finish is the most incredible inning of baseball I've ever seen. The only one that even rivals it, the only one I even would have in the conversation is that seventh inning, the bat flip inning with, with Batista and Texas, right? I mean, that that bat flip, of course, was the was the calling card of that inning, was the highlight of that inning, certainly. But there were so many incredible things that broke in the Blue Jays' favor in that inning. So, <clears throat> and, and, you know, that most of you have probably seen that. I would always encourage you to watch it again, though. It was so much fun. But, yeah, if you have a few minutes, go back and watch this ninth inning that we're about to talk about here. So... The Blue Jays now, of course, it's three to two in the series for the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going into in, into Game Six, and the Blue Jays, as we were talking about earlier, they they, they were cruising. It was five one going into the seventh inning for the Blue Jays. They were cruising uh, on their way to to this World Series championship. Philadelphia would explode for five runs in that top of the seventh. I imagine it made that the seventh inning stretch. I imagine it made for the saddest, uh, you know, OK Blue Jay uh, rendition <laughs> in, in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history because this crowd was stunned getting ready to celebrate this World Series championship. Mere minutes later, <clears throat> they're actually down in the game. Like, are you kidding me right now? And it would remain 6-5 going to the bottom of the ninth. Here comes Mitch Williams. Uh, uh, Tim McCarver had a uh, wild thing, Williams, right? And, and Tim McCarver had one of the great lines I've ever heard on a sports broadcast. He says, uh, you know, it's it said that baseball is a visual medium, which is true everywhere in the world, except in Philadelphia, where nobody is watching. Mitch Wild Thing Williams, right? The the Philly fans couldn't bring themselves to watch. As he's saying that, they're showing that the Phillies in the dugout, <clears throat> they're all looking around. They're all distracting themselves, right? None of them can bear to watch the action on the field because it's such an important game. Obviously, the, the Phillies are on the verge of sending this to, to a game seven, to a deciding game seven, but it's Mitch Wilding Williams. You, you know how hit or miss he is. No pun intended there, right? You know how hit or miss he is. Uh, you know, the, the, the nickname Wild Thing wasn't just picked out of a nickname hat for Mitch Williams, right? He was Wild Thing. Ricky Henderson starts it off. And before the first pitch of the inning is even thrown, this is part of why I talk about it's just the most incredible inning I've ever seen. Before the first pitch of the inning is even thrown, all of the wheels are set in motion for the Toronto Blue Jays to win this game. So if you take your mind's eye back to Mitch Williams, he would look in, get the sign, and then once he, I, I can't do it, he was left-handed. I was, I'm right-handed, so I can only do it right-handed. So he'd look in to get the sign, and then when he'd get the sign, he'd come set and tuck his chin, and he's facing over towards third base, tuck his chin. The, the home plate's over here. The next time he would look at home plate is right when he was turned and about to deliver the ball. It's part of why he was Wild Thing Williams. His, his mechanics were, were, were so odd and so wonky. So Ricky Henderson knows this, of course, <clears throat> comes up for the first pitch of the inning. Mitch Williams looks in, gets the sign, and turns and tucks. As soon as he turns and, and tucks, Ricky Henderson calls time. Now, it's it's 50,000 at, at, at the time, the Sky Dome, going nuts, right? So Ricky Henderson couldn't just sit there at the batter and say, hey, time, couldn't ask for time. It's one of those where he had to get you know demonstrative right in the ump's face, hey, time, right? Umpire calls time. Now, the umpire, the... Uh, catcher Darren Dalton, rest in peace, uh, Darren Dalton and Ricky Henderson. Of course, all three of these guys know that this guy's wild thing, Williams. Like uh, under the best of circumstances, you don't know where that ninety-nine mile an hour pitch is coming in, right? It's hilarious. You'll see they all scatter when Ricky Henderson calls for time. They are all out of there. The ump out of there. Darren Dalton, the catcher, out of there. Ricky Henderson, the batter, out of there. The frame, the, the the TV screen. By the time Williams comes to and sees that time has been called and that none of these guys are even in the frame, they were out of there, right? Who knows what Mitch Williams is going to do with this pitch, with this ball here? He actually tries to stop all his all of his momentum. So as he's coming through, he tries to he he notices now he's looking at the plate as he's about to release. He notices all the chaos. A time's been called. Tries to stop all his momentum. Doesn't throw the ball. 
helicopters himself, all of his momentum there, trying to stop it. Now he helicopters himself on the mound. To, to, to a first pitch hasn't even been thrown yet. This guy's Ricky Henderson has turned Mitch Williams into a human freaking helicopter on the mound. Pitch hasn't even been thrown yet. Ricky Williams already mission accomplished. He's already in Mitch Williams's head. Fastball misses ball one, fastball misses ball two. Darren Dalton, the catcher, comes out to the mound to talk to Mitch Williams. When have you ever seen that before in your entire life? Two pitches in to a safe situation, and you have the catcher already needs to go out and talk to the pitcher. When have you ever seen this before in your entire life? You've never seen Kirk or Jansen call time and have to go out to talk to Jordan Romano. Two pitches in to a safe situation, but he, Dalton could see. Ricky Williams had accomplished, uh, Ricky Henderson, bigger part, had accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He had gotten in the head of Mitch Williams. Remember when you're in Little League and it'd be a 3-0 count and, and you wouldn't even, you'd go up to the plate, you wouldn't even stand there as a batter. You, you, would, you would go to the bunt position and, and wave your bunt around and wave the bat around, try to distract the pitcher to get that ball for. Ricky Henderson did that on the 2-0 pitch and the 3-0 pitch. Are you kidding me right now? Ricky Henderson already understood. Two pitches in, already understood. Mission accomplished. I'm in this guy's head. I'm getting a walk. He's practically asking the ump, like, are we? do you want to go through the, with the formality? Do you want to see ball three and ball four? Should I just head down to first? Like, it was that much of a given that Ricky Henderson had gotten in the head of Mitch Williams. Mission accomplished. Wagging the bat, misses ball three. Wagging the bat, misses ball four. And they flash into the, the camera shows now into the Blue Jay dugout. And especially Joe Carter. Watch Joe Carter's body language. The, the, the Blue Jays as a whole, they were clapping, they were excited, and, and they were really having the body language of, okay, needed that tying run on. Ricky Henderson's the great tying run to have on base. Okay, warm business here. It wasn't even really all that excited. It was more business-like. Like They knew Henderson was doing his job. It's what Ricky Henderson does best, right? Get on base. They knew he had accomplished that. They were very pleased. Here comes Devon White. Even the Devon White at bat, he's the only out of the inning for the Blue Jays. Even that at bat was filled with drama. The the count would go full, and and Devo would foul off a few pitches. It was actually a nine pitch at bat, and then he would fly ball, a bit of a line drive, not really more of a fly ball to left center field to the power alley, but 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 it was hanging up there, so it was definitely catchable. But CBS, I think I'm pretty sure that it was CBS that was the network had an angle that they showed after from the side, and it's a ball that normally Lenny Dykstra, the center fielder, would come over and make an easy play on. Pete Cavilia was the Phillies left fielder and he was left fielder in name only. He was not a good defender at all. He, he was a big bat for, for that Philly team, almost similar to the Phillies in 2023, right? Where they've got guys sort of playing out of position that, that aren't great at that position, but they're boppers that, that they can really, that, that they can hit well. Well, that, that was Pete Cavilia. So and the Lenny Dykstra, what's hilarious is as the balls hit, Lenny Dykstra's look running yell, right towards Incavilia. Incavilia, you, the Phillies are lucky that he didn't take the route of just backing up to, you know, going behind the ball to back up Lenny Dykstra because this would have been Dykstra's ball. But Incavilia notices Dykstra's running right at him, full sprint, yelling at him that he can't see the ball. Oh my gosh, lazy, hazy fly ball, really. All this drama. So Incavilia does come over and make the play. But even even in that, you know, on the on your scorecard, that's an X seven. That's a fly out to set to, to left field. Right, like even on your scorecard, that looks so mundane. But it was a nine pitch drama drama filled at bat. And holy cow, the center fielder Lenny Dykstra couldn't even see that fly ball. I mean, it could have been could have been much worse for Philly there. So even that one cheesy little out there was had a lot of drama there, was crazy in itself. Now here comes Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor takes a 1-1, a pretty good fastball, actually, pretty good pitch on the inside corner, but he does what he does best. He gets his bad head to it, smashes a little line drive, serves it right into center field, base hit. That's By the way, that's Molitor's third hit of the game, his 12th hit of the World Series. Remember, he would be World Series MVP. He was just, just incredible. Tim McCarver, during that at-bat, just flat out says you know what this guy paul muller is a hitting machine yeah very true tim very 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 true so now we've got first and second 
Here comes Joe Carter. Joe Carter 0 for 3 in the game versus Mitch Williams' lifetime is 0 for 4. Fastball misses for ball one. Fastball misses for ball two. Now, even during these first couple pitches, there's even drama going on on the base paths because, of course, if you're the Phillies, you have to be wary that that's Ricky Henderson at second base. That's the stolen base king at second base. He very much wants to get the third base with less than two outs as the Blue Jays are looking to tie this game. Earlier in this in the World Series, I don't know if you remember, but earlier in the World Series, there was a similar situation where Robbie Alomar was trying to get the third. Now, there was two outs. So I'm not really sure what he was thinking, but... But but anyway, but uh, and Mitch Williams picked him off of second base. If you remember that, well, Williams after the after the uh, the ball to uh, to to Joel Carter wheels and looks to do the same thing to Ricky Henderson. But the veteran, hey, the veteran was was, was totally ready for it. But even that, even as this Joel Carter at bat is unfolding, there's cat and mouse games going on on the base pass again. The incredible inning, drama left, right, and center. And one thing to remember here, and, and if you don't know this, this will blow your mind. If you didn't know this already. The previous inning, the eighth inning, the uh, uh, Alfredo Griffin had pinch run for John Olerud. Now, Olerud, we've talked before, he surprisingly did not have a good World Series, but he's still John Olerud. So Alfredo Griffin had pinch run for Olerud the previous inning. So it was Alfredo Griffin, one of the worst hitters you've ever seen in your life. I think it's a career, like maybe a career 220 hitter. I'd have to look that up. I'm going to guess around a career 220 hitter for Alfredo Griffin. He's one of the worst hitters you've ever seen in your life. That's who's in the on-deck circle for the Blue Jays in the, in this do-or-die moment of this game six. So it's Joe Carter or bust for the Toronto Blue Jays to win this game. Just just incredible. At 2-0, pumps in a fastball for a strike. Now it's 2-1. to Now some of the most incredible things I've, I've ever seen take place. The 2-1 pitch is a slider. Pretty gutsy call, all things considered, and and really fooled Joel Carter. He swings and misses it. He's flat-footed on the swing. He's totally fooled by the pitch. You, you see him step out of the batter's box, and you can see his wheels turning. He's really wondering, wow, what the, a, a, a slider in, in, in a must in a pitch where he's got to throw a strike, and it was a slider out of the strike. So, my God, and there I was flat-footed. Holy cow, I was totally fooled on that. Wow, you can, you can see Carter's wheel spinning. Then the incredible thing of the inning happens. The camera zooms in on Mitch Williams's face. Joe Carter gets back in the batter's box. Mitch Williams looks into Darren Dalton, the catcher, shakes off Darren Dalton. Are you kidding me? In that moment, did we know that would have such historical significance? No, but he shakes off Darren Dalton and then nods. So he gets the pitch he wants from Darren Dalton. So Mitch Williams, as we know now from hindsight, from looking back at what happened, Williams wanted to go back to that slider. He saw how he'd fooled Joe Carter on that slider, but he left this 2-1 slider up and in the strike zone, right in the wheelhouse where Joe Carter loved to love those low pitches that he could just drop the bat head on and do damage. That's exactly what happens. The rest, as we know, is history. But can you even believe it? To this day, to this day, don't you think Mitch Williams, Joe Carter, people like I like, don't, don't you think there's a lot of people who are wondering if what, how would that have unfolded? What, what's the history of Toronto Blue Jay baseball? Are they the back-to-back champions in 92, 93? What happens in the rest of that game? What happens in the rest of that World Series if Mitch Williams just nods, if he just goes with that first pitch call that Darren Dalton wanted to call? Now, Darren Dalton has since passed, so we won't, we'll never hear from him on this subject. But my goodness, can you believe it? Mitch Williams must think about that all the time. Just... <sighs> Absolutely incredible. Dwayne Ward ends up getting that win. Game seven would have been Pat Hankin versus uh, Danny Jackson. So, of course, who knows how that would have played out. That was the game three pitching matchup, and the Blue Jays did dominate that game. So I suppose we would have still felt pretty good about game seven. But considering the Blue Jays were up three games to one in that series, it would have been Philly having all the momentum going into game seven. And again, with Alfredo Griffin on deck in this inning, 
That Joe Carter at bat was do or die. Mitch Williams, why did you shake off? What didn't you like? Darren Dalton must have been calling for the fastball. It was right. I have to assume that. Why didn't you want to throw that fastball there? And man, I would love to know for Mitch Williams when you release that two one slider, it couldn't have felt as good as the as, as the two one slider. The the two one slider had good movement to it. Totally fooled Carter, but. You, he, I think on his release of the 2-2 slider, that fateful pitch, I think Mitch Williams would have known right from the release that, oh, I didn't get that as sharp as the last pitch. Okay, what's going to happen here? Boom. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And the rest, as as we know, history. Now, speaking of history, that makes Throwback Thursday's episode history. Certainly, thank you for joining me talking Toronto Blue Jay baseball. Join me tomorrow as we'll get you set for this uh, weekend series. Blue Jays embarking on, or not embarking, uh, home, I should say, for a 10-game homestand now. It's some who's who of teams coming in. I mean, it's uh, the, the, this homestand's not for the not for the faint of heart, right? The, the next several games, the, the next seventeen, in fact, are not for the faint of heart. We'll, we'll we'll get into that tomorrow. But we've talked every day, as we'll know. We've talked a few times here on Lockdown Blue Jays about what a gauntlet the first half of this season's schedule is for the Toronto Blue Jays. Keep it locked on the Locked On Podcast Network and check out Locked On MLB if you're a fantasy baseball fan like myself. Then keep it locked on Locked On Podcast Network and check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Let's finish. Let's finish with the immortal words from Tom Cheek from the very game we were just talking about. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life.